I don't enjoy the game as much as I used to. I don't hurt him yet. I don't enjoy it. It just seems to be a lot easier. And goals mean less than they did. And for me, if you scored a goal in the All Ireland final in the 80s, 90s, that was generally the winning of the game. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on their second-half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances, but just lack that intensity. Boom. Right. We'll just get into it, because there's too much here. Mm. Start with the red. We'll start in order. We're going to go into Rory. Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, what a disappointment. <laughs> what do you say about Rory at this stage? 72, the open round, you're thinking, well, this is typical Rory at the Masters, he's going to bounce back and shoot a course record and, and maybe get tied for third or something, but it wasn't to be. Shoot the second round, 75, and that was it for Rory McIlroy. 77, I think, wasn't it? Was it 77, yeah, right? he was Either way, he did make the cut. Fantastic, yeah. um, so it was disappointing. I mean, when you have four wins in the PGA Tour in the last 10 months, I think the hype... Rightly was positive going into the tournament for Rory McIlroy. Um, his ninth attempt to complete the career Grand Slam, and he's, and he's fallen short once again. It's just so disappointing, and uh, we, we will we will continue to hype him up year on year, every single year at the Masters. But um, uh, you see that see, see what we have there. Rory McIlroy bested by Rosies. That's what our that's what our super is. I actually think this is true. It's a Freudian slip. I think it's a Freudian slip. I was thinking about this. He is he is absolutely Mayo. Where when when the deluge of scoring that he's capable of doing comes, it feels absolutely irresistible. But he just can't get over the line in in his holy grail. Obviously, he is very successful, you know. And you would have to say uh, the register of having won all the other majors would prevent this analogy from working perfectly. But I do think there's a bang of Mayo off Roy McIlroy where he's so exciting. He's the one that you want to watch. He's got everything going for him. All the athleticism, all the outrageousness, but just when it comes down to it, at the last second, in the thing that like is now going to be his white whale, he can't get it done. I, one of the papers at the weekend was, was talking about him feeling cursed around Augusta, and he must feel a little bit cursed around Augusta, mm. given that you know there was the... Was it 2011 when it looked like he was going to win it? Yeah, that was the big choke. Well, you say that was the big choke, but it's been like a death by a thousand chokes since, hasn't it? Yeah, but that was the massive, you know, four-shot lead heading to the back nine, was it? And, like, I know that uh, flying Bob Rotella in and having the pudding coach there this week, but it did feel like changing the clubs recently was a little bit of a canary in the gold mine. Coal mine. I felt like that all that was good. It felt like all that were all that was. <laughs> I like the changing of the the phrase. It was fantastic. Um, he's pulled out of the RBC Heritage this week. Uh, which that's is, new. That's new news this morning, right? So yeah, that's yeah. really significant because it's the second tournament he's pulled out of. And uh, this PIP program, Player Impact program, you can only pull out of one tournament in a year. The fact that he's doing this and possibly taking a financial hit. Twenty million dollars is the prize fund there. He got seven and a half million last year for it. So I mean. It's not it's not small cash that he's missing out on here if he decides to to go ahead with this. Um no, he made twelve million last year. Twelve off the pip. Uh, twelve off the pip, yeah. Uh sorry, I was talking pound sterling, uh Queen's nose. Um I, I found it interesting in that first round, um the did you see the, the on course chat he did walking the hole with the, the AirPods in <laughs> the ear? Um he's done it before and other golfers have done it before. He's one of only a few that have tried it, but these in-round interviews, some people have their views on them. Are they distracting? Nick Faldo, uh, he was asked about it and he said, uh, I was quite shocked that Rory and Max Homa put those AirPods in and did a running commentary. This is the Masters. It's all mental. Uh, if that Rory sports psychologist didn't say, oh, tell the world what you're doing. I don't get it. And he talks about the fact that there's no still photographers in Augusta. They lo- love their tradition. 
I mean, maybe it's off-putting. It's like a 10-minute phone call, as Roy describes it. Uh, and I know Max Homa spoke about it as well, and, and he was basically saying, it's like being on the phone call for 10 minutes. It's not the end of the world. It might be a shade distracting, but I think if it's 5% distracting and 95% something positive for golf, I can get past that. So we all understand why they're doing it. They're try- obviously competing with the Live Tour at the moment, and the PGA want to try trial new things. Um, was that a little distracting moment for Rory McIlroy? Probably not. He, he wasn't going to make the cut regardless, but it's certainly something Nick Faldo picked up on. Well, it was uh, Gary Murphy talking to our own John there on Saturday after he had missed the cut, and he was just quite simply saying about Rory McIlroy, like the equipment changed, Jared's mentioned already, but he simply said, like, McIlroy is, is trying to be perfect. He's changing his mm-hmm. game for this, and especially the Masters, the one that remains. Is there any sporting comparison to Rory McIlroy's nearly decade-long uh, stint without winning a major? Like, for a player so talented. It's Mayo. It's like the the but second won, best team he, of their generation and then they come up against the Dubs and then the Dubs disappear and then Tyrone come and just steal it. Well, uh, McRoy like, has the trophies to show, like, and I don't think it's quite that comparison. Well, I just think the green jacket has become the equivalent of yeah. Sam McGuire in this analogy and it's it's just, I, I feel like now it's never going to happen. That's, uh, you know, obviously you, you look at how... Uh, well Phil Mickelson played in the final round and you know McElroy obviously has looked after himself really well and so physically he is going to be able to compete at this level but there's just something in this where there's something in the air and the build up to it and we keep talking about how different the approach has been year on year on year on year he plays before it he doesn't play before it he goes on his own he's telling everybody everything or he's like super laser focused it's like he's tr- it seems like he's tried everything and so I don't know what's going to drop or change and in the meantime the field is getting bigger and uh, better and more diverse and the next generation of young golfers are coming up and they're able to do everything that he can do well, I, I did say on the show last year I thought Charlie Woods would win a, a Masters before Rory uh, I, was, I was only kind of joking but I mean I don't know if I am joking anymore I do think I do think he will win it honestly um, I, I, ho- I hope he does I think obviously he we really hope he does but it has become such a thing like this was the year where he had moral authority. He had confidence. His game was supposed to be okay, and then and then the equipment change definitely made you think a little bit about that. But um, he might do a Tiger twenty nineteen thing where everyone thinks it's way past him. Mm. Even forget about him as a contender, and he wins, and it's one of the great sporting moments. The closest comparison I can think to an individual sports person would be Roger Federer and the French Open. <laughs> and Federer, for you know, one of the greatest players ever played a game, only won it once, and that was a weak year when Rafa Nadal got knocked out early and then Federer had a handy final against Robin Soderling and that was his one and only Roland Garros title. And Are for McElroy yeah. and the Masters is the only thing like a weak field and that people aren't looking at him and is that the one that's going to win? That's probably the closest I can think of because it is bizarre and as also Gary Murphy was saying like McElroy could rock up at the Wells Fargo Championship start of May and win that easily and shoot a 65 you know, in round one yeah. and a 68 in the, on the Sunday and lift the trophy. And the problem is he's just trying to be too perfect and putting himself under too much pressure. He also name-checked last year's champion Scotty Scheffler as doing the same thing, that something happens with these players. And it was like Jack Nicholson and Tiger Woods said the same thing, was that they loved the majors in their peak because most of the field choked. So it was yeah. easier to win than standard competitions. The, the, the podcasters and the US broadcasters are also laying into Rory. I was listening to the uh, No Laying Up podcast and Neil Shuster was... was they were basically saying he had no fight. He waved the white flag. Um, they described his par putt in 16. He says, I went back and watched the replay. It was effing awful. Just it was. not good golf. Like, I, I, it was gone by that stage. Sorry, is this in the... 
Is this in the second round? Yeah. And like, like it, it had gone by that stage more than likely, but sure. you can't be missing it. And you've got to try and make the cuts and you've got to try and stick around and you've got to... I, I understand he's heartbroken at that stage and it's very difficult and we don't have a clue what's going on. And who knows, maybe there is something else going on and that's why he's pulled out. Who knows? There's a metaphor there with falling trees. I mean, that kind of summed up his round and that's a point that the lads made as well. It was just, it was just woeful for McIlroy. Understandably, he didn't speak to the media afterwards. Can he get that after either round? I don't know. It's just tricky. You know, you're talking to the media in the middle of the round, not talking to them at the end of the round. Mm. To the point about the Roger Federer thing, just to go circle back on that, there's never going to be a weak field. That's the problem. There's never going to be a weak field in the golf because there's always like... Uh, Sam Bennett all of a sudden comes out of nowhere as a 23-year-old amateur and he's putting together rounds like that. Like, that's the quality of golfer that's coming through from the collegiate scene in America year on yeah. year and they're getting belched into the system and then you've all the rest of them who are, uh, you know, the Live Tour lads are all very well rested, it turns out, mm. uh, and super competitive because, you know, golf's not particularly stressful for those guys and so they can they can work on their game off-Broadway and they can have equipment changes that we're not reading about or interested in yeah. and uh, emerge... The unscathed poly- the issue there too is in golf you're fully con- in control of your own destiny as well so it, but it, it's the closest I can think of a great sports person who doesn't win something so obvious yeah. that they should, you know? should uh, John Ram of course it, the, the story of it what number fourth Spanish, Spaniard to win the, the Masters and Phil Mickelson with the final round 65 I mean joined second with Brooks Kepka. it was a brilliant tournament it was a brilliant Masters just a pity that Rory couldn't give us all a little bit more interest I was wondering when, in the back nine of Shane Lowry you could do a late surge and someone uh, if, if a few above him fell away this could be very exciting mm. who do you think will win the Masters first if they do at all <laughs> Lowry or McIlroy oh. uh, I mean you'd have to say Lowry at this stage <laughs> like you would you know if you're, if you're pricing that up yeah. um, Lowry performed really well there last year performed well this year but like afterwards he said he was on the verge of doing something really great and I, I, look you know I, obviously you feel really bad for Rory McIlroy at this stage uh, and it has become such a, a public trauma yeah that we are watching and engaged in by every year watching him talk about no this is going to be my year I can definitely do it I mean look maybe the Irish rugby team at the World Cup maybe that's a better analogy than the Mayo footballers I still think the Mayo one works for me yeah, yeah, let's be having you in the comments mm-hmm. youtube.com forward slash off the ball speaking of Mayo Shane also yes, in the red indeed and I think or are they are well, they are they in the red well, this is not actually good for them <laughs> I was actually thinking that last night. I was like, well, this could potentially... Like, you're probably better off losing now than, than losing in the semi-final to Galway. You have extra two weeks of rest, recuperation. Injuries have been an issue for Mayo over the course of the league as well, and that's not going to be an issue now as they face into, what, five, six weeks of a bit of rest and recuperation. Ten points to us, Commons, 2-8. Uh, Pish and rain as well in Casabar, uh, just like it was in 2019 when us Common did the same. Perfect ambush. But is it really an ambush? Because Davy Burke was, was, he was not angry afterwards, but he was like, well, why are us coming being compared to like a small team? This is hardly a, a surprise. It was, I think he was very aware of the narrative in the week leading up to it. David Brady was on with us last week and talking about Mayo's semi-final with Galway. Um, hands on head when we, were, when we reminded him that Russ Common uh, lay in wait. And we kind of said it last week on the show. We said this this is built up perfectly for us Common. Um you just expect them to come up with a big performance and their their defensive strategy, Brian Stack in particular at the back, I thought was brilliant. Enda Smith was just outrageously good. And then you had a couple of points at the end from Jeremy Murdoch off the left the, the one off the left in particular when they broke away. And I think they put them maybe three up towards the end of the game as well. Um history kind of looked like this result was on the cards, because every time Mayo win the league, they tend to lose to Ross Common then then in the championship. 
and Jesus, Roscommon love beating Mayo. You could see the reaction from Davy Burke after the match, and, and you saw the Roscommon fans as well. Anyone who says that the provincial championships don't matter anymore because of the new structure, just look at how Roscommon reacted. Yes, of course, it's because they beat their neighbours, but um, incredible win for Roscommon. And, and that Galway game now in the Hyde in two weeks is going to be a cracker. See, the temptation here was to put Roscommon in green. Yeah, well, Wax either lyrical way. about the job that Davy Burke is doing so far, and Shane, like he was in with us just before he got going at Roscommon and mm. talked a great game, and was he had so much energy to him, and we were like, this guy, he's so charismatic, you can't take your eyes off him, and he he, he talks such a good game, but then to back it up with the way he started, yeah, like I don't know what he's doing with those players, but he's getting the best out of them. Well, I said it last week that, that Mayo ten of their fourteen points in that league final against Galway were from freezer marks, and I know we were making the point, yeah, of course, marks are essentially from play; they have to work those marks. But that was something Davy Burke said after the match. We completely targeted that. We were like, we're not going to give away a stupid freeze. Uh, we're going to try and avoid them getting marks as well as we can. Um, and Ross Common just had a strategy that worked. In midfield, Keith, Do- uh, Keith Doyle and Linda Smith were brilliant. And those long kickouts seemed to work when they decided every now and again to just pump one, out, pump one in. It was brilliant. Now, the two goals probably changed the game. Mayo had a couple of goal chances themselves in the first 10 minutes. Um, but they were kind of against the grain of how the game went. Referee decisions maybe went against Mayo more so than Roscommon, you could argue, but I think, think the better team won. Um, and game management from Roscommon, they're, they're of course going to waste a little bit of time, you know, go down and stay down. And that, that if you're going to play a team like Mayo, that's what you want to do. And I think the conditions played into Roscommon's hands possibly as well. Yeah, I think uh, that was made of the fact that there was a minute of stoppage time in the first half and six at the end of mm. the second half, even though, you know, the conditions... With the wind, etc., etc., you're actually, you know, um, you should get the same amount of stoppage time in both halves, really. Obviously, um, substitutions make a, a difference to that, but um, yeah, look, I think I don't think they were happy about going out, but I do think that it doesn't really matter in the evolution of this Mayo team. Um, are they going to win league and win Connacht and win All Ireland and like and not lose for the rest of the season? It turns out obviously now they're not. But uh, let's just wait and see who they're up against when the draw gets made for the round robin. A game at home, a game in neutral territory, which could well be in Croker, and a game in Croker, right? Yeah, May twentieth, like that starts. Game, an away game, away um, game as well. Yeah. So, um, but anyone who rules Mayo out of the out of, out of all on contention at this stage is. Completely ridiculous. I mean, it was just one of those games where the conditions probably played into Roscommon's hands and they, they were up for the fight, Roscommon, you could see from the get-go. Their record at home in these games isn't great and they never seem to put in a good quality performance. It is always by the time they get to Croker that things kick into gear for them. So would you rule Mayo out of a preliminary All-Ireland quarter-final weekend, whatever it's called, wildcard weekend. It's a wildcard weekend. And that game being in Croker and then putting in a good performance and then suddenly... They're up and running by the time the All Ireland quarterfinal series comes around. I wouldn't. So, but fair play to Ross Common. I think absolutely the story of the weekend. Them and the Clare footballers, like Davies, becoming one of the most interesting and compelling characters in uh, football management at the moment. And you know, that's obviously a fairly big, big beast, uh, or a bunch of big beasts who are uh, bestride in the game like a colossus. But he's put together a brilliant, brilliant CV, and he's still a very young man. And uh, yeah, Kildare definitely looking over there going, oh, great. <laughs> what is it if? the story of the weekend? It mightn't even be the story of Connacht. Oh, the New weekend. York, obviously. I mean, we're going to get to but, that. Um, Kevin McStay didn't sound too bothered. I still think, I still think like, in the long run, Roscommon are, you know, there are little little flares in the championship, but Roscommon are going to be a, a long-running beat and they're going to cause somebody 
in the All Ireland series a lot of difficulties, but and they're going to give them their fill sorry, of it. Roscommon deserves so much more respect than they get, and it, it, it seems to happen for all these little, littler counties that start to do really well. I mean, Roscommon deserve every single modicum of praise that they get, and it was their it was their game. They had to go to Castlebar and get a win, and they did. Now they targeted it. They had the week's extra rest compared to Mayo as well. Forget about all of that. They were just a better team. Um, Mayo will bounce back, but what I think we have to give credit for Roscommon, and I understand your logic, Column, that maybe. Roscommon in the green would give them more credit. I am absolutely overwhelmingly getting behind the Roscommon hype train because that Galway match is going to be a cracker. I'm definitely going to go to that Galway match because um, another couple of counties that maybe don't like each other, sets of fans that don't like each other as well. But um, and we spoke about that last week as well, the Mayo fans. They won't be happy, but they'll get plenty more, more days out this summer. Who will be the more annoying fans that day, Roscommon or Galway? <laughs> well, I, I'll go and report back and let you know. We'll go to Amber, uh, the Irish women's team with... Uh, could you say a very good 2-0 defeat to the USA? Ah, let's go with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. Vera Pau, certainly not disappointed afterwards. Of course, the, the unbeaten streak ended. Um, I mean, they don't concede many goals either, this this Irish team, but there are a lot of positives. Marisha Shiva playing off Kara Caruso up front. You had McCabe and Payne out wide as well. Tried something just a little bit different. Um, but it's it's positive, and I know they play that second game tonight in St. Louis, Missouri. That's I think it's half past twelve midnight yeah. Irish time. So technically tomorrow morning, yeah. Technically, so best of luck to anyone who's, who's deciding to stay up. Uh, Sinead Farley was the story, really. Um, what twenty four hours notice comes into the Irish yeah, squad on Friday, ridiculously good, uh, and, and probably allows, as Vera Powell said, allows Ireland to play that that different kind of setup with the the holding striker up front. Uh, Cruz had that goal disallowed for for offside. I heard you asking this morning. You know, did she even touch it? I wasn't sure either myself. Yeah. If she touched it, but but is the argument there that she was interfering with with the goalkeeper? I don't know. Uh, but either way, that goal was given as offside. Um, but pff, it, it's all positive. I think Vera Pau uses the the idea of playing these big teams and friendlies to get used to the World Cup. It tends to work. I mean, you're going to go into the World Cup now not expecting to not be able to compete with any single team. And you're going to come up against Australia and Sam Kerr in the opening game of the World Cup. So, really, really positive. And, uh, yeah, Farley with the Cavan father. Yeah. Proud moment. No, it's a great build-up. Don't mind the unbeaten run. Like It's actually good that it ended because if they were to lose the first game of the World Cup, then they, God, we haven't lost in such a long time. We don't know what to do with this. And also, you need these games against literally the best team in the world twice in a few days. It's brave and it's the perfect preparation. As you said, Shane Farley coming into the team with 24 hours notice, 33 years of age, making her first appearance, and Vera Powell afterwards, and Denise Sullivan capturing the side and her 100th cap for her country. Mm. Pray, full of praise for Valerie's impact. And She's not playing tonight, though. Prob- I, I honestly think tonight it might be shadow boxing. I, I don't know, but I think the teams will be fully changed. I think I feel like the first game was what they were targeting. Um, I could be wrong, but but I think I think tonight is more so. A- I don't think we can go be shadow boxing against America. I mean, there might be massive changes, and it might not be our strongest team. But like, um, try some things out, maybe. Yeah. Well, did we did we not try a bit out in terms of the style of play, slightly different? Yeah. An evolution. Um, they've obviously been listening to Coy Gig. Hundred percent, but they need they needed that. I think you need to kind of try trial a few new things out of the World Cup. But but we we kind of said, is the squad going to take on a few new changes, a few new names? There well, are going to be some girls disappointed, of course. Is Farley in the team? Is she in the squad or in the team? I feel like she has to be in the team now. I mean, really, after this one performance? Well, when you see when you see that performance, if she can play to that high level at the World Cup, which clearly last night she proved she could, or the, the weekend, sorry, uh, you put her in the team because she allows 
she's just at a different level. She might be 33, but but she's certainly at a level where she can allow the players around her to express themselves and play in different positions. So I judge it by what her captain or manager said. Yeah, she's definitely a contender for a starting 11 berth, but she's not exactly full of practice recently as well. And she's coming in against the best side of the world. And if she's played that well for an hour, that's all she played. But the ball retention is a big thing. And it's something that Aaron have been criticised for recently, even the friendly against China. Like they, I think there were four or five passes strung at most together. And it was, it was problematic. And like, there's probably too much emphasis on O'Sullivan and Katie McCabe to get us going with the ball. So having a third player in there with equal quality, it will lift everybody else around them. And then you get the runners and you get Heather Payne being able to do what she should be doing all the time mm. and crossing that ball in and yeah like <laughs> was wondering did it, was there a touch had Emma Carroll and Kathleen McNamee having uh, different views on whether there was a touch it doesn't matter it was offside anyway but the fact is Aaron were creating chances and Louise Quinn had a header cleared off the line at nil nil after 19 minutes and really the first goal Emily Fox's 37 minutes you know long range effort like Courtney Braston probably should be doing better for that her footwork wasn't great and then America's second goal is a penalty that we conceded like you know so and also Braston nearly saves that penalty so there's a lot of positives to take from it but look we don't want to settle for a 2-0 defeat but it is against the best team in the world and it's right ahead of the World Cup mm. and there was a bit of football played and chances created and that's a good sign and that's why they're in the amber I uh, should point out as well that the feed got lost so we didn't actually see the last few minutes of the game if um, if anything major happened with, with like goal mouth chances at both ends um, it did, there didn't seem to be anyway so uh, that that game is it, it's got a weird kick off time tonight it's like 12.35 yeah, 12, 12, or something 12.30 12, isn't it 12.30 a.m. 12.30 tonight so. so we'll talk about the uh, second fixture on tomorrow's show yeah. Kathleen's going to join us and tell us exactly what the, the Coigate pod have made of the whole thing they'll be um, they'll be delaying the arrival of this week's pod until the aftermath of that as well so right yep. uh, on to the green indeed we'll head to the Bronx lads will we 15 points apiece New York against Leitrim 2-0 on penalties one of the worst penalty shootouts you'll ever see but also one of the most dramatic penalty shootouts you'll ever see um, it was quite incredible it probably is the story of the weekend I mean if you look at it uh, a 23rd attempt New York trying to beat Leitrim in the championship and, and they've only gone and done it uh, it was a great quote from one of the players after the match where he, they said even last year when we lost to Sligo the dressing room it was the team has to stay together and that's a trouble that's been trouble for New York over the years that they can't seem to keep a squad together year on year understandably there's going to be a bit of turnover um, but this year they kept the team together they brought in a few new faces um, a couple of Kerry lads as well Brosnan with the, the Kerry father Mikey scoring the winning penalty as well um, Shane Carthy scoring the point to kind of force the game into penalties as well it was just brilliant. Um, and for, for large portions of the game, you're thinking, New York are looking good here. But then you always expect the Leitrim to come back and kind of use their experience to, to get over the line. Um, the, the penalties of themselves were just ridiculously dramatic. And the Leitrim's penalties, I think they look back. I don't know if they would have practiced them, but looking back now, hindsight's twenty twenty. they maybe could have done with a bit more practice. Two saved, one crossbar, one post. Um, but what a moment. You saw the, the images of Larry McCarthy, the GA president, hugging all around him at the on the pitch afterwards um, chaotic scenes really there he is. so it, like Johnny McGinney will, will forever be remembered I think as the New York manager that, that got it done got them over the line in the championship match and now the Sligo game in, in a couple of weeks can they come to Sligo and get a result you'll not you'll not rule them out certainly if they can if they can perform to the standard that they did at the weekend uh, it, it will be quite difficult to come to come across the Atlantic in a couple of weeks and, and, and keep that hype going but if they win they're in Sam Maguire I mean Incredible, but not a good thing. No, not a good thing for them. But do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, actually, it's a great story and it's a brilliant, brilliant one-off victory. But if they if they get into Sam Maguire, they're going to end up 
being hockeyed by the best teams in the country and that's again not great for the development whereas actually in they get through to the preliminary quarter final is that what it is? of the of the yeah. Talton Cup right they're not going into the round robin of the Talton Cup um, but they would go into the round robin of Sam McGuire when actually maybe they should just get into the round robin of the Talton Cup and like we should just accept that there's going to be a certain amount of money that has to be given to whatever county is competing against them and like just let Croke Park pay for that like is there not a way to just help them to benefit from this but we'd actually we'd punish them if they were beaten if they end up beating Sligo I know I think they want like imagine having those group games well okay so it's imagine getting that, so it's uh, 7.22 yeah. to Kerry and 6 points to New York yeah a great a great occasion in uh, Tralee or um, Killarney well great isn't it it's not great yeah, but that's not great that's that's on the that's on the setup the structure of course it is but uh, but that's not going to stop New York from trying to beat Sligo and get to that stage where they can yeah, say, well, that's exactly what they should do I'm just saying that I I think that like um, you know oh everybody wants to play in Croke Park and then get absolutely annihilated and it's like oh, that wasn't the experience that I dreamed of when I was in the back garden commentating about scoring the winner it's like no one dreams of getting absolutely hockey by the Dubs. Yeah, but they probably dream of playing in the Connacht final, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. And um, they play in the Connacht final, and then after that, they get punished for yeah, it. But they should just. They should have just, that day. We, if, if they were then going into the round robin, if they were to get to a Connacht final and then into the round robin of the Talchin Cup, where they could actually win two games and have a chance of winning that competition, that would be. And they have a much better chance of winning that competition if they get the extra games in the round robin as opposed to. Anyway, look. Is, is there a universe where they can pull out of the. You know, they can get to the Connacht final and then say, oh, we actually don't want to play in the. The All Ireland series, lads. I, the I mean, isn't what I mean. I don't know. I, uh, nah, you go for it, backs against the wall job for seventy minutes, trying to have a respectable scoreline. But like, like if you're talking about hoping to lose matches to save face, then it defeats the whole purpose of sport. Even if it is massively unrealistic, you want to go all the way. Mm. Uh, That's Jack, why they're doing it. Jack Heslin, I should say, for Leitrim was brilliant, and those runs from the back were class. But uh, the the man of the match, Gavin O'Brien, for for New York. And Johnny Glynn as captain as well. They should all hold their heads up high. And I'm sure there was sensational, a bit of, absolutely delighted for them. Yeah, yeah. bit of celebra- celebrating done, no doubt. But um, can't wait for that game in a couple of weeks' time. But they should definitely soak up this moment. New York deservedly in the green, lads. We'll move on to the next green, mm-hmm. the final green. And uh, I think we're going with Limerick, the juggernauts, the powerhouses that are Limerick. Um, Aaron Gillan, superb bit of scoring as well. It's it's it has made hurling boring, but. Well, this is a good. This is the point, right? When we were the three of us discussing about what's going to be in the performance rankings, and we were like, "Well, we probably should put Limerick in because they are brilliant." Yeah. But there is a bit of like. Now, having said that, I love nothing more in hurling terms than watching this Limerick side, mm. and particularly Keen Lynch. Just yeah, I, I sorry, I'm, 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 there's nothing boring about this whatsoever. I don't think at all in a competitive sense, Jerry. You, well, you're just watching absolute greatness, and like the first half, uh, the first half. And we talk about this a little bit later on with Sarah. Like Kilkenny went at them physically and were nasty and were were as vicious as they could be. And Limerick just soaked it up. Like you're you're watching the evolution of one of the all time great sports teams that Ireland has ever produced. And I certainly am not bored by that. Like again, this is it is just a league. Right? Were you bored and by so, the Dubs? Were you bored by the Dubs when they were winning their six in a row? Because uh, if you were, you're about to be bored by Limerick. I wasn't bored by Dublin Kerry and Dublin Mayo when they went up in the All Ireland. I was I was bored by them and the championship structures, which gave them no games until semi-finals and finals. But I, I wasn't bored by them. No, like, like were you bored by Jim Connolly? No, were you bored I, by Paul Flynn? I I, lo- I can appreciate greatness and and it's fantastic to watch. But it's when they're winning games in you know by by ten, twelve, fifteen. But they points. they they were like it was uh, six points. 
and Kilkenny had a goal chance with 52, 53 minutes on the clock and then the ball goes down the far end and Limerick scored and Kilkenny threw the towel in at that point because it is a league game. But like, bear in mind, Clare took them to extra time in the Munster Championship in the Munster Final last year. So everybody's sitting, waiting, watching. They are getting better though. Like the, the kids who were not supposed to be good enough to get into the team or when they were getting in the team they were only just getting in to put some pressure on the lads. They're actually seizing their opportunity mm. and um, so I don't know. I'm not bored by this at all. I think they're absolutely they should be in the green and we should be like going this is unbelievable. Tune in every time you get the opportunity to see the Limerick Hurlers this season because this is greatness. There were like ants around the, the Kilkenny puck outs in the second half. Started second. It was like 20 minutes was it where Kilkenny couldn't register a score? You're thinking, this is outrageous. Imagine 20 minutes of a hurling match at that level with those yellow slitters where the team doesn't score. Dennis, Dennis Walsh has a great um, piece today talking about their wides. They have twice as many wides as Kenny did. And it seems to be a strategy. It's like we're going to, the team that shoots the most scores the most. And yeah. we don't care about our wides. And we're not, we're not, we don't have any uh, psychological reaction. We're not depressed by our wides the way you would be in, certainly in Gaelic football. Many teams do get depressed by their wides. They're like, no, no big deal. Quite, uh, they were quite reliant on Billy Drennan's long-range freeze as well. Um, but then you had TJ Reid sitting on the bench and you're thinking, is he going to come off? But then the, the game got away from them in the last 15 minutes. You're thinking, there's no point taking him off the bench at this stage. So I understood the decision to leave him there. Kyle Hayes and Declan Hannan like, weren't even in this Limerick team. They were late pullouts. So there's more left in Limerick. That's what worries me. Not worries me. Uh, like th- It is brilliant watching this Limerick team. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and they probably will power to another All-Ireland this year but it's just in terms of competitive tight matches the Munster Championship used to be where it's at but now if you feel that every game Limerick are in it's a foregone conclusion in some ways now the teams competing against them won't think that way of course they won't well let's wait and see yeah well there was a serious reaction to John Duggan's opinion about hurling you know and it's like these days and he's just not as into it as he used to be and he referenced like the 1995 All-Ireland Final and the, how it was almost like you couldn't have a score if they, they pucked it up the field and got away from danger but what the way I see it now is that yeah they're, like, they're scoring from all distances and the score lines are huge in comparison to what they used to be but for me that means just an improved level of accuracy like these guys are like professional athletes yeah and like the way they look the physicality of them and just the quality of pretty much every attempt at goal is either over or nearly, very nearly over. And that, like, Harding's come a long, long way in terms of quality and Limerick are at the front of that. And you should probably embrace this period just like we should have embraced Dublin when they were dominant. I think and we now did, they're though, not so much. But, like, when we're saying boring, like, the, like it's the same with Leinster. It's hard to criticise them. Yeah. It's not their fault they're so brilliant. And we should enjoy it for what it is. And the rest should catch up, not bring them down. Mm. And maybe it's an era. These eras come and go. But, and maybe you're right. Like, it's just when you're sitting there, I'm tuning in to a league final at the weekend going, I would love a really tight Limerick Kenny match here at Parky Cueve. And just a little bit of excitement, drama in the last five, ten minutes where it's nip and tuck. But it just, it never felt like it was going to be. But this level of dominance is worth it for just in case they have an off day in yeah. the semi-final. It's and then suddenly you're like, oh my God, what happened to them? Know, yeah. so Limerick, Limerick off day. What's a Limerick off day? Well, they were in a final last year when Kilkenny got close to them or the Munster final when uh, Clare took them to extra time. Like, we just, we have to go back, like, you know, nine months for them to actually bid in two absolutely epic matches where they've reached new high heights and two other teams managed to get them to go even further than we've seen them go before. Like, that's all you want in sports. Yeah, you, can't have a, you can't have every single week be a 15-course, 
three star Michelin meal like you've got to sit through some of these games to get to the point at the end where this is the greatest thing I've ever seen because otherwise it's just like, you said they're Terminator 2 robots don't have off days robots are robots they, 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 they're Terminator 2 lost yeah, well, he lost in the end that's the whole point of the movie they keep a bit of oil in them and they'd be grand like Limerick on an off day and someone has said it in the comment as well even Limerick that was probably them at 70% that's what Davey said. Probably only throwing the ball... Or sorry, you'll see the real Limerick in the championship only running at 70% last Sunday. I felt like that as well. They weren't fully at their... Well, let's wait and see what but, happens. But yeah. They're imperfect. They are fallible. And their discipline is questionary. You know, like, it is, it, there is a question of it. And they could lose their heads. Yeah. And you just never know. And that is going to be worth it. It's sport. You just never know. I'm still excited. I'm still excited. Yeah. But deservedly, Limerick in the green, lads. Uh, okay, that is this week's episode of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette.